Um, I'm going to be talking about Genesis chapter 11 today. If you want to tap or however you get there, if it's paper or electronics, we all have our methodologies in these days, as long as you're not getting chat GPT to read you the Bible, I'll accept your methodology as, as okay. Genesis chapter 11 is a popular story. I think many of us will recognize it. Ironically, as I was thinking about this, I um, thought about one of my favorite songs. It's a Bob Dylan song, uh, despite many people's mistaken belief that it's a Jimi Hendrix song. It's called All Along the Watchtower. And in it, and in, this is about a tower. Maybe that's how I got this connected, right? I'll read it for you in a minute. I'm going to read verses 1 through, uh, one through 9. Um, but uh, maybe that's how I was thinking about towers, and I thought about that song. But then there's this line in it. And by the way, that song is, I'm convinced, thoroughly biblical. Like, I think it's about... Jesus and our hope and people on the watchtower and barefoot servants. There's a whole lot of imagery there that I think Dylan was going for. But that's beside the point. There's a line that I kept thinking about as I was thinking about this sermon. And it's, there's so much confusion. I can't get no relief. You ever felt that way? (laughs) I was also thinking, as I was thinking about this text... Like how, I don't know how I'm going to explain all this to everybody tomorrow. And, and then, helpfully, we had quite a day yesterday. If you're a guest here, I apologize because you might not know this, but my firstborn son, who's well into his adult years, acts like a three-year-old sometimes, and came to our house and um, threw things against our house and laid down in the middle of 4th Street, right in front of our house, and um, you know, just a, it was, it was a tantrum. The police were invited. Um, we have done our best to create some space and boundaries so that we can live our lives. And he continues to do this kind of thing. And, and it was hard. And I, and so I'm filtering, right, what I'm going to say today a little bit through my own story. And it's this, sometimes things don't go the way you wish they would. Sometimes things are just hard in this land that we live on, as we will see in the land in the east. <laughs> we'll see that. So here's the point. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the point of the whole message and the point of this, what I think the point of this passage is, really, and I'll read it for you. And it's this. Life is hard. It is challenging. There's confusion. And sometimes we can get no relief. And when we get in those situations... We are longing to find a way to make things better for ourselves. And when we do that, things do not go well for us. That's the point. Let me read it. Uh, Genesis chapter 11, starting verse 1. Now the whole, earth, the whole earth had one language and the same words. Remember, this is coming out, this is a few generations after the flood. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, which kind of means between the rivers, is sort of the idea. Um, And it's essentially the area we know as Babylon, Mesopotamia, Iraq, along the Tigris and Euphrates. They come there. This is early, early Babylon era. And they settled there, and they said to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them. And they... 
had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar, which is kind of like a oily substance that probably comes bubbling up out of the ground naturally, like in the Beverly Hillbillies. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, look now, behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Sounds okay. And yet God says, come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the whole earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, which sounds like Babel, Babel, right? Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. God, would you help us by your spirit to understand and be transformed as importantly by your word? Amen. One of the things that's important to note, and this is not the point of the sermon, but it is relevant here because there's a few things, there's a few ways we could look at this passage, right? One is, this is the first time we see the word Babel, which becomes the word Babylon, which becomes a metaphor for every human kingdom ever. The Bible looks at human kingdoms and calls them all Babylon because they are all set up in a way, in opposition in some way, to the kingdom of God. St. Augustine wrote a book called The City of Man, The City of God. And essentially that's what he was saying. Every, every earthly empire, in some way, Babylon, Rome, Greece, Iraq, India, Washington, D.C., in some way sets itself up against the values of the kingdom of God. That's one way we could look at that. But what I find interesting when I look at it is that here these people come migrating from the east and they find a space that they think we can bring comfort here. We can bring peace, which in a way isn't that what we always do when we build our own Babylons. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again until I'm blue in the face. I think the U.S. Constitution is one of the greatest inventions humanity has come up with. I think we did a pretty good job with that. But I also know... It's a, it's a document for ordering Babylon. Now, I think it does a pretty good job. But what we're looking for is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, right? But these people are looking for a way to make things peaceful for themselves. They're looking for comfort. Listen to what they say. Let us build ourselves a city. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. What is the desire there? They've come migrating. They have found that life is challenging. They have found that life is hard. They know this. Generations now, they've been going at it and they're gathering against the elements and against probably warring tribes and all kinds of dangers and threats of the world. And they come together. They are looking for two things. Several things. Comfort, security, safety, peace, fame. 
Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us show the world who we are. We're pretty, we got it together. This, we can build this for ourselves. We can make what is so messed up better. That's the drive, isn't it? And I got to tell you something. I've tried. I have tried every avenue legally, medically. Yesterday, they take a, somebody who's kind of somewhat out of their mind, hurting, hurt their hand, threw a suitcase against the house. Take them to the ER. Cops deliver you to the ER. They stitch up your hand. They send you on your way. That's our mental health system at work. And I'm sorry for you if you work in that field. Doctors, nurses, I'm thankful. But here's the reality. If you work in that field, you know how messed up it is. The system is just broken. But I have tried, drove across the country this summer, to try to work in that system to make, to create comfort, security, peace. These are things I want and I've tried to get them in legal and medical ways. I've tried with personal boundaries. You know what? Don't come to our house. <laughs> okay. That works for a month or so, and then you get things thrown against it, right? I've tried to create safety for myself in these different ways. It doesn't work, it's impossible. Think about your own story. This is mine, and yeah, I'm being honest with you about it, but what, what is yours? What is the wound? For some of us, that's what it is. There's some wound somewhere that we are trying our best to patch up. We're just, we keep on putting spackle on the wall as it just keeps cracking, and we just keep on covering that thing up. Right? That's one way we do it. We've got fears. You know, that's what I, honestly, when I think about Babel, that's what I've seen it repeatedly, especially it's gotten worse, and I hope it's getting going to get better. But, you know, when, when we get on social media at election time and we start yelling at people, that's driven by fear and a desire to control. I can tell you this, no, no amount of social media posts are going to get your person chosen for the office as you want them chosen for. It's not going to work. Vote it. Vote. But, but those things, that's, that's, that's our fear is driving it. What we're like, oh, I can, I can establish my own safety. I can protect the security for, by the way, me, my children, and my children who are far off, which is biblical language for what Jesus does, not what Babel does. But we, we, we want to protect that. What is yours? We all have it, right? Something that because of the terrors of this world, we seek to control and bring order to and bring peace to. And we're sure that we can do it. What is your wound? What is your fear? How are you trying to bring comfort, security, peace, and control to that area? It doesn't always go well. And then you look at this. The Lord, I remember looking at this passage and thinking, it seems wrong. It says the Lord comes in. They got, they got, they're, they're working on some comfort. 
They're working on some peace. I mean, they're come together, you know, in a, especially if you've got these warring bands, which is pretty common throughout that era. You've got all these different people that burn your stuff and take it. Right? That's very real life. And you gather together in a city, and you build it tall. There's some protection. They are developing a sense of, we can, we can do this on our own. And God shows up and He just says, no, you can't. And He tears it all down and He messes everything up. And I used to look at that and go, that seems mean. And then I remember that this message is repeated. <laughs> We're in Gen Genesis chapter 11. 11 chapters into the Bible. And here's what we've already seen. When, God, when Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden... One of the first things God says is, we got to stop them from ever getting back in there and eating from the tree of life because if they eat from it and live forever in this state, that would not be good. God's grace is what keeps them from going back in the garden. We see the very first murder a generation in, right? Anger, hatred, fear, murder. And we see God protecting the murderer and offering hope in the form of a new child to Eve. There's, this is not, God is not giving up. He is still protecting and pointing toward the promised one, which he pointed to early on too. Grace. God is gracious in kicking him out of the garden. God is gracious even in the murder. God is gracious. We saw this last week, the flood, because he doesn't want humanity to go on living. I, for one, am thankful I don't live in a world where I can honestly say that every thought and intention of every heart is only evil continually. It's the way humanity was described before the flood. And God protected us. It's grace. And now we have this tower where these people say, we can do this on our own. And God says, no, you can't. Because He made us and He knows that He made us to need and depend on a relationship with Him. We're created for that. No other way will do. It's not good for us. And so God, out of His grace, says, no, that won't work. You cannot make a name for yourselves because then you will not be living as human beings were made to live, which is in relationship with, with me, with God. When I thought of this, I thought of, that, thought of this song, which I've told Julie about recently. And man, it's a tough song. I don't like it very much. But it's written by the guy that wrote Amazing Grace. Um, you might know his story, former slaver, right? But there's part of his story you might not know. One of his best friends was a man named William Cooper. William Cooper was also a, a hymn writer. They worked together on some hymns at times. And William Cooper <laughs> spent, was in and out of insane asylums. That's what they called him back in those days. And... One time he had a major breakdown as Newton and he were working together and he had to go into asylum. And Newton sat down after that and wrote the song that I'm thinking of. That song is called, I Ask the Lord. And it starts out, I ask the Lord for grace and faith. Grace, faith and love and every grace. That's what it says. I ask the Lord for faith and love and every grace. And he goes through all the terrible things that entered into his life after that prayer. And it says, and he says, one of the lines he says, he, caused, he crossed all the fair designs I schemed. All my plans that I laid down, God 
brought to the ground. God turned them to dust. And then he says, crying, I asked God, why? (laughs) This is the answer he got. Tis in this way I answer prayer for grace and faith. It's in the hard things. Because if we can do it on our own, if we can find our own safety, if we can find our own security, if we can build up our towers, we don't need God. And it hurts. Because then we don't have God. Which is the most important thing. That's what we need. And that's God's grace saying, no, you will not make a name for yourself. Think about that. Think about your own ways, maybe, of trying to find comfort, control, to manage life so that you don't have pain. How have those things been thwarted? I mean, if I'm honest, I think that's probably one of my spiritual gifts. So it's okay if I have thwarted your plans for control or peace. (laughs) Maybe it's not me. But how else have your plans maybe been thwarted? Time, other people, the economy. It's always about the economy, right? I mean, maybe that's it. You thought you were going to retire and then... We all have those things. Every one of us. Maybe some of you right now, because I know I'm not the only person in the room with a story similar to mine happening right now. And we've managed, we've tried, we've worked, we've protected, we've hidden, we've, we've, we've helped, we've enabled, we've done all kinds of things, right, to make sure things can go the way we hope they will, and they never do. How have your plans been thwarted? For others or for yourself. Think about this for just a minute. That may very well be the grace of God at work in your life. Because sometimes grace hurts. Because it drives us to our knees. Just like in that song. That song is hard to sing. But it's true. When we want to grow in Christ, it will cost us. And it will win us everything. So in this story, what do we see? And what is God really telling us in this whole narrative? And what's really powerful, and I've always seen this, and some of you have heard me say this, but you see the same phrase. We just read it there in 11.4. And in 12.2, God, a few generations later, still, by the way, Babylon, this area of the world geographically, God goes and he calls a man named Abram and he says, you leave that place. And and he says to him, I will make a name for you. You hear the difference? One is we will make a name for ourselves and the other is God says, no, I will do it. God wants to be the one to do it. He wants to be the one to get the glory. And that story, by the way, will go on. And Abram will be an ancestor of Jesus, who is the one that makes a name for all of us. That's what God is really about. When I read that, the first thought I had, honestly, was the, uh, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. 
such a common theme, right? We see it throughout the Bible. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why it keeps repeating, like stop trying to build your, your house on the sand. See the theme? It's there over and over. Because that's what you and I tend to try to do. We feel the wreckage of this world. And we feel the pain. And we feel the heartache. And we try to go to a place where it's somehow in our hands. Where we can kind of try to control it. Where do you tend to go? Some of us go to toxic positivity. Right? I don't, want to, I don't want to think about that. That's the hard stuff. Let's only focus on the happy things. Some of us go there. And in the meanwhile, what we're doing is spreading spackle on all the cracks, covering up all the hard stuff and refusing to ever address it. Meanwhile, we're burying legitimate wounds that we probably can do some work on and grow, really grow, but instead we're just letting the foundation crack all along the way and telling people, no, I'm fine. That's one thing we do. The other thing we do is build sand castles. <laughs> we build our house on the sand. My retirement plans, right? This rehab will be the solution. I've said that before. This will be the answer. We put our hope in things other than a coming kingdom. This politician will win and then everything will be fine. Right? We do it. We do it over and over and over and over. We place our hope in things other than Jesus Christ making all things new. And I promise you, every time we do that, we're going to be let down. Our dreams are going to turn to dust. It's just a reality. Or we can go <laughs> to Jesus Christ. The one who he calls the living stone, the cornerstone. See the building imagery? It's all over, right? He's the one who it says he's the foundation of the building that we need to build on. The man that builds his, hand on the, his house on the sand, it crumbles. The one that builds his house on the rock, it stands. Jesus is called the, the He's the one. He's the rock. Where are we going to go? We have to, if we are to be healthy people, and if we are to be the kind of, I believe with all of my heart, the kind of Christians, the kind of church that I know God is calling us to be, it's going to mean that we don't hope in anything else other than Jesus Christ. He's the only place that's really worthy of our rest. And He really is. He really is. And I'm preaching to myself right now when things seem like they are not right. When you just don't know what could possibly happen. You don't know what's next. Jesus really is enough. He really is. Because even as the tower is crumbling to the ground, His plans are to make a name for us. And he's so intent on those plans that he went to the cross 
to take on not just our sin. Yes, our sin, the mistakes, the errors, the decisions that you and I make on a regular basis to place our faith in all these other things. Yes, yes, he died for that. But he also died for our wounds. For all the times that we've wept over the people that we love who just don't seem to want to change. He died for those wounds. For all the times we've been hurt because someone else said something so dumb. He died for that. He died so that we could be new. So that we could be made new. And He showed us the way. He rose again. We talked about this last week, and I think it's worth saying this again. Resurrection is beautiful. I mean, who doesn't want a resurrected Jesus? Anybody? It's amazing. It's, it's real new life that won't decay. We all get to share in that reality, right? But you know what has to happen first? The cross. The grave. I think sometimes Jesus is calling us to follow him in that. To let go of something. To let the towers crumble. And then he promises that when we do... He will raise us back up again in His stead, in his, behind Him, in His train, and, and that He will make a name for us. And that name is Little Christ, which is what the word Christian means. That's what He is doing in us. Let me pray for us. Jesus, You are so good. You are so much more than I can even imagine. You're more than I need. You're everything that we need in the midst of towers falling, in the midst of trial, in the midst of challenges. You are enough, Jesus. Help us to believe it. Help us to run to you, to turn to you, and to trust in you so that we can find the peace and the glory and the goodness of living a resurrection life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.